keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Christus vincit, Christus regnat, Christus imperat. Good morning. It is Tuesday. March the 15th, and this is Rudy Carlos. I'm filling in for, uh, for Joe McLean and Adrian, for that, for that matter. And let me ask you this. Do you know how to suffer well? What is ascetical theology anyway? We have a fantastic pre-recorded interview we recently did with Father Jeffrey Kirby about his latest book, Glory Unto Glory, A Primer on Ascetical Theology. It's going to supercharge your Lent, and that's happening at 35 past the hour. And at 15 past the hour, we have a story that is concerning to us, and I'm sure to you, dear listener, plus breaking news and stories, and the saint and gospel of the day. Now, while you were sleeping, this is what happened. What's going on in Russia? The latest is that Elon Musk challenges Putin to one-on-one combat. That would be interesting to see. And Russia threatens to seize assets from Western companies who closed up shop. That includes McDonald's and Ikea and many others. And the head of the IMF believes a recession is in the works for Russia. And you've heard it here, folks. You know, you've heard it here before. We have talked about how sanctions hardly ever hurt, you know, the government. It mostly hurts the people of Russia. Who who knows what they think about this war, right? And here's another thing. Tom Brady, well, he's bored. He was bored in retirement, so now he's back. So we'll cover more of these and much more. But now I have an announcement to make. We are joined by not one, but two men who are known to be myths. And some would even consider them to be legends. Good morning to you, Jesus Robles. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Good morning, Rudy Carlos. This is an amazing, amazing morning that we're going to be sharing with uh, the, the, the whole uh, family of the CDT. Good morning to my friends in the Northeast. I hope that the weather is blessing you this morning. Uh, good morning to everybody in the south of the U.S. My goodness, this is exciting, uh, full of energy. Today we have a, a packed show with oh, lots yeah. of information. Good stuff. And here's the other legendary person. Jordan Pacheco from the Gladtrad podcast. Jordan, good morning. Well, hello, dear friend, dear friend. It's good to see both of you guys this morning. And I'd like to say a morning to all my friends in Colorado, since that's where I am. And of course, it's actually going to be a warm day today. Thank God. God Praise is God. good. <laughs> I was going to say, from the frigid highlands of the Colorado Rockies. Ooh, check back Jordan in a couple Pacheco. days. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, the CDT Lenten campaign is still underway, and I just want to say thank you to Colin McManaman. Mc, I'm sorry, Colin, Colin McManaman. <laughs> I apologize for butchering your name. Appreciate you, brother. And also Kathy Bergolt for generously offering to fast and pray for the most ardent blasphemers and heretics, the ones who really need our prayers for their conversion. Our Lady of Fatima told us that many souls go to hell because they have no one to pray for them. And a friend doesn't let another friend fall into hell like a snowflake. Mm. Heck, we might have even been the most ardent sinner in the past, and perhaps it was the prayers of a stranger that brought us back into grace. Thank you. And, uh, well, we got a lot of stuff to cover here today, but if, you're, if this is your first time listening to the show, I invite you to join our email list where we, we send out one email a week. We don't pester you too much. We send out all kinds of information, recaps for shows. We even send out some really interesting goodies 
that uh, you can only get from being on the email list. So if you want to join that, you can go on to grnonline.com slash cdt, or you can text GRN to 42828. So take out your phone right now and text GRN to 42828. 42828. All right, as I mentioned, the Lenten campaign is still going on. And, uh, you know, there's still ways for you to participate. All of our days have been covered, but you can still offer a day of fasting, a day of penance and prayers for those those heretics, those blasphemers, the people we really need to pray for, the people who often get forgotten. You know, we, we often don't even like to pray for our enemies, even though our blessed Lord told us to do so. So make sure to, to do that. Let's, uh, let's jump in. We're going to go into the, uh, the golden arrow prayer, and we're going to offer this prayer for the conversion of sinners. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most incomprehensible, and unutterable name of God be always praised, blessed, adored, loved, and glorified in heaven on earth and under the earth by all the creatures of God and by the most sacred heart of our Lord Jesus Christ in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen. Amen. All right. And now we have your breaking news and stories. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Tuesday, March 15th. And these are your headlines. Daily Wire reports Joe Manchin sinks Biden's anti-fossil fuel Fed nominee. The moderate Democrat expressed concern about Raskin's public statements on track record statements and track record, rather, of opposing federal investments in the oil and gas industry. Those concerns, he said, meant he could not support Raskin's uh, confirmation, effectively scuttling the appointment in the evenly divided Senate. Her previous public statements have failed to satisfactorily address my concerns about the critical importance of financing and all of the above energy policy to meet our nation's critical energy needs, he said. And Breitbart News reports Pentagon pushes back on no-fly zone over Ukraine. A U.S. defense official during a background briefing on Ukraine told reporters that a no-fly zone over Ukraine would not have prevented the Russians from bombing a military training center in western Ukraine since the attacks came from inside Russian airspace. Some U.S. lawmakers and Ukrainian officials have called for NATO to enforce a no-fly zone over Ukraine, which would entail the United States and other allies potentially shooting down Russian planes over Ukraine and effectively entering the war. And The Hill reports Russian prosecutors warn Western firms of firms of arrests and asset seizures. Russian prosecutors warned Western companies that criticism of Moscow's war in Ukraine would lead to arrests of corporate leaders or seizure of assets in the country. Companies that received the warning included Coca-Cola, McDonald's, Procter & Gamble, IBM, and Yum! Brands. Last week, Russian President Vladimir Putin voiced possible support for a law that would allow Kremlin to the Kremlin to nationalize assets of the foreign companies that leave Russia as a result of its invasion of Ukraine. And Axios reports inflation is hitting battleground states worse. Some of the most sensitive voters politically are the ones facing feeling price hikes more sharply. During an already volatile midterm year for Democrats, inflation concerns have prompted the party to focus its messaging on lowering costs and cutting taxes. Among the worst hit are Tampa and Atlanta at 11.8% inflation and Phoenix at 10.7%. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. 
And the saint of today, Louis de Marillac. She was born in France in August 12 of 1591. She was educated by Dominican nuns, therefore her greatness. She desired to be a nun, but on the advice of her confessor, she married Anthony Legrasse. After Anthony's death in 1625, she met St. Vince de Paul, who became her spiritual advisor. She devoted the rest of her life to working with him. She helped direct his ladies of charity in their work of caring for the sick the poor and the neglected. In 1633, uh, she set up on a training center which, of which she was the, dic- the, um, the directress uh, of her own home, uh, the candidate seeking to help her work. This was the beginning of the Sisters of Charity of St. Vince de Paul. Though it was not formally approved until 1655, she took her vows in 1634 and attracted a great number of candidates. She wrote a rule of the community in 1642. Vincent allowed four of the members to take vows. Formal approval placed on the community under Vincent and his congregation of the missions with Louis and as a superior. She traveled all over France, establishing her sisters in hospitals, orphanages, and in institutions. By that time, the time of her death in Paris in March 15, the congregation had more than 40 houses in France. Since then, this congregation grew all over the world. She was canonized by Pope Pius XI in 1934 and was declared patroness of social workers by Pope John XXIII in 1960. Louis de Marillac, pray for us in the gospel of this morning. Matthew 23, 1-12. Jesus spoke to the crowds and to the disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have taken their seat on the chair of Moses. Therefore, do and observe all whatsoever they tell you, but do not follow their example. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to carry, and lay them on people's shoulders. But they will not lift a finger to move them. All their works are performed to be seen. They widen their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. They love places of honor, banquets, seats of honor in synagogues, greeting in marketplaces and salutations. Rabbi, as for you, do not be called rabbi. You have but one teacher and all of you are brothers. Call no one on earth your father. You have but one Father in heaven. Do not be called Master. You have but one Master, the Christ. The greater among you must also be a servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Today, Jesus condemns the religious people who don't practice what they preach who look one way but they're actually looking the other hypocrites it's not even mentioned in this in this gospel the word hypocrites but it's very uh, it's uh, announced right in, in the scripture this word means play actor acting a role this is what an actor does it's an external expression the role of an actor but it's not internally practiced or lived someone that is really not sold into what they preach this is an actor Jesus teaches us how to be real, how to be real forgivers, teaches us how to love. He forgave prostitutes, sinners, drunks, and tax collectors, traitors to their own people. Jesus calls out and condemns fake people, religious people that say they're in but they're actually not in. 
St. Paul said they practice the form of godliness but deny its power. They end up worshiping religion as God but they don't see religion as a gift from God that challenges them to live holy and to have relationship with God. They practice the law but seem not to understand that the heart of the law is mercy. It becomes a practice without fire. Scribes and Pharisees have been alive and, and have lived forever in every single religion, in Catholic, Evangelical, Christians, Jewish, Muslim, Hindu, scribes and Pharisees. This is a religious phenomenon that goes everywhere and wherever it raises its ugly head, of course, it brings inconsistency and lack of authenticity and of course is very destructive as John Michael Talbot would say this type of religion does not help people, it hurts people. This type of religious weight, it weighs people down. It binds them down, it makes them hate themselves, and it makes them judgmental towards others. Real religion liberates us, frees us, and empowers us to become more loving, more kind, and our truth is always measured with love. We know the truth, and truth will set us free. As a police officer, I always tell the suspect, confess your the, the sin that you have committed, what you have done, it will set you free. There will be a price to pay, but at the end of the day, it will set you free. We therefore are bringing freedom to others, not just judgment. Let us not be hypocrites. Let's practice what we preach as we conform ourselves to our Lord Jesus Christ. What an amazing word today. Let's practice this. Of course, there's a word here that's uh, called the uh, phylacteries. It's a, it's a small leather box containing scriptures and verses. They're tied to the forearms and their forehead while praying. Now they did this to put this out like, like they're very saintly. They're very uh, religious people, these, uh, these uh, scribes and Pharisees. So let us not just wear that ash in our forehead when we, put, we were put those ashes on our forehead to serve as testimony and witness to what we believe. But let's act it out. Remember... The worst thing that a Christian can do is give false a prophecy or give false testimony of what Jesus Christ really is. We tend to hurt more people by the way we act, by the way we behave with others. So let's practice true and authentic Christianity, true and authentic Catholicity. Let's not do what the Pharisees did, which they only spoke, but they didn't do what they were actually speaking. So it turned a lot of people away. We do that in Catholic Radio. We try, we strive to live not only what we do here on the air, but we try to live, and that's the challenge, to be conformed to our Lord Jesus Christ in every, every moment of our lives. We're going to at least die trying. So there it is. We're going to be back. 15 past the hour, we have What's Concerning Us edition. All right, we have a special guest this morning, so stick around. What's Concerning Us here in Catholic Drive Time. Share us with a friend. Been told that so long as sexual activity is performed between consenting adults, there's nothing morally wrong with what's done. Is this a reasonable way of morally evaluating sexual behavior? I don't think so, and here's why. First, such reasoning justifies disturbing acts like that of Ormond Mivis, who butchered and ate a willing victim that responded to an advertisement placed on the internet. I don't think we want to say consensual cannibalism is okay. Second, the assertion arbitrarily picks consent as the only aspect of nature's design for sex as having any moral significance. If we must reverence nature's design for consensual sex, 
then why is it okay to not reverence nature's design for procreation? If it's okay to reject one, well then it's okay to reject the other. So rather than reverencing consensual sex, this argument undermines it. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to study a section of the catechism. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the Catechism of the Catholic Church? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Praise be to Jesus Christ. We are back. This is Rudy Carlos, and I'm filling in for Joe McLean and Adrian Fonseca, who are away on retreat. Praise God. They're going to have a great time, and I hope a very prayerful time as well. Now, here's a, a, a segment of the show called the What's Concerning Us segment, and uh, I'm going to read to you an article that is very concerning to me because this is happening all over the place. It used to be that, uh, you know, well... You could only consider this to be something happening in a secular school, but this is now happening in a Catholic school. And the article is out of the National Catholic Register. The headline is, English Archbishop Takes Heat for Blocking LGBT Event at Catholic School. And so I'll read to you a little bit about this here. I'm going to start here. Why should a Catholic school be forced to promote a book that celebrates a message and a lifestyle contrary to the well-known theological and moral teaching of the Church? English Archbishop John Wilson of Southwark and diocesan education authorities intervene to protect the school's integrity and insist that the event be dropped. In today's Britain, in today's Britain however, their action has been denounced and there is a now a dark hint from the Department of Education that the school will be penalized. The St. John Fisher School, named after the great English bishop who was martyred with St. Thomas More in 1535 for defending the church's teaching on marriage, announced the celebration of a book by author Simon James Green, who writes LGBTQ plus fiction for young adults as part of a national book week. When concerns were raised by, among others, a school's chaplain, the diocesan education team investigated, and the result was a statement which, in courteous and measured language, set out the church's position. Signed by the diocesan schools commissioner, the statement says, In keeping with our Catholic faith, schools in the trusteeship or purview of the Arch Archdiocese of Southwark are required to welcome, safeguard, and care for all pupils. As the diocese with the most diversive pupil population in England and Wales, we are proud of our school's efforts to include pupils, whatever their particular ind or individual characteristics, Circumstances or needs, our schools are encouraged to tackle bullying of any sort robustly, including any form of conduct or behavior based on disrespectful or prejudiced approaches to protected characteristics under UK civil law. Moreover, our schools are required to deliver a program of relationships and sex education that is compliant with the Equalities Act of 2010 and the Magisterium of the Catholic Church. Praise God. We will not do... It says here, while we do not endorse any particular program of study or textbook, we encourage schools to use materials to support pupils' learning in this crucial aspect of human development that have been tried and tested against these two important frameworks. So the school 
was to host this author who was writing young adult fiction with the genre of LGBTQ plus, minus, you know, et cetera. And they continue here, from time to time, materials or events emerge for consideration that fall outside the scope of what is permissible in a Catholic school because they do not comply with all aspects of the test cited above. For example, the protected characteristic of religion, part two of the Equalities Act of 2010, and all that encompasses in our context. In such circumstances, we have no alternative but to affirm our unequivocal and well-known theological and moral precepts and to act in accordance with them. The book signing event scheduled for March 7th of 2022 at the John Fisher School of Purley is one such event, and we have recommended that the school leaders cancel it. The cancellation of the event should not come as a surprise. A Catholic school should certainly not hold an event promoting a lifestyle that is contrary to the doctrine of the faith. However, parents, teachers, and some of the school's governing body have expressed indignation and spoken passionately against the archbishop's decision, some even claiming that the children at the school will in some way be damaged by the event not taking place. Uh, skipping ahead here, the, uh, you know, the, the, the event has since been canceled, but you know, the, the actual writer has taken to Twitter to become a victim and say that he has been discriminated against because they won't host his, his program. And it's funny because if you go onto his Twitter account, people have commented that in one of his books, this is a, I mean, I'm not going to tell you what, what's in the book, but I can tell you that there is a, a type of an Our Father prayer. It is a blasphemous prayer in which he describes homosexual acts. And they want to bring this, somebody wanted to bring this into the school. Jordan, what do you think about this? Uh, you know, we, we see a lot of, uh, of, of parents and advocates going up against the schools now and are, are really, really trying to make sure that their children's education is pure. What do you think about this? Well, a lot of thoughts naturally. The first, one of the first ones that comes to me uh, concerning the parents and the students is that the claim of discrimination is a very funny thing. You know, I've been reading the Ars Moriendi, right? The Art of Dying, and the opening of the Ars Moriendi talks about uh, it's a, it's an Aristotle quote, right? It says mm -hmm. that you know the most terrible thing is the death of the body. But then Saint Augustine comes in, and he actually says, you know, worse than the death of the body is the loss of the soul, uh, which is, a, is an echo, of course, from sacred scripture. So it's amazing to me that in our contemporary era, uh, there are so many people who have, uh, whether by rook or by crook, have lost the complete sight of what the faith is supposed to be, that they will claim discrimination on something that is that is egregious to God, something that's actually blasphemous. They'll say, well, it's unfair, it's terrible, it, it's, it's bullying, it's, it's horrid, it's prejudice. And at the same time, they will have absolutely no regard for their eternal disposition. They'll have no regard for their own immortal soul. And then the second thing I have is actually, uh, I applaud uh, Archbishop John Wilson on this. I think Praise I think God. it's a very yeah, I think it's a very characteristically British uh, kind of measured response to <laughs> to it. You know, and uh, let's be honest here, it's not like the the UK prelates have been particularly spectacular in the last few months. This is kind of a, a nice little blip of of good news. But um, I just hope that he's willing to take it to to the conclusion that Christ demands us, which is that sometimes as Catholics, to stand up for the truth, especially in Britain, means that you have to sacrifice uh, your standing with the civil authorities. That is so true. Yeah, I, I applaud this archbishop for, for taking the stand because, you know, it, it's very easy to become discouraged when you see that a lot of a lot of bishops, you know, maybe don't take it as far as he did and will, you know, kind of, uh, you know, 
step around the issue and just kind of not say anything. But and, you know, it's it, it's interesting because again, like this is this is John Fisher's school. So John Fisher, along with Thomas More, were one of the very few of the English martyrs who stood up for the faith. And at their time, this was owing to uh, could the king or you know could a man divorce his wife and mm -hmm. remarry another? And so you know, we we usually categorize that differently than acts such as such as homosexuality but that's still an extraordinarily grave issue because again it, it's against the teachings of christ himself and these men this man whom this bishop whom the school's namesake is died for this they've got principle on on sexual moral issues and so it's interesting that that it's it's a full reprisal that we're seeing yet again yeah and and i, I you know thank god that some of these parents stood up against this because you know, I, I I would not have expected this event to have even taken place in a Catholic school to begin with. You know, you see this in secular spaces all the time. I mean, there's a couple things, that, a couple couple of uh, you know situations that have arisen here in the United States where parents have discovered really crazy books, really depraved books, writings and stuff uh, in the books that uh, that their children are reading and. You see that there's a, a big a big step up of parents demanding parental rights to make sure that their children aren't scandalized. You know that the, the purity of children has to be preserved, and um, and I think about you know people who write stuff like this. Why exactly do they write things like this? Is it not because they can have children of their own, so they want to indoctrinate? your own children what do you say jordan yeah you know i i think that that's there's an element there certainly I, I would even take a step back farther i think that there is such a desire to say that my truth right you hear this whole movement of my truth and i speak my truth and therefore it must be the truth universal um there's such a pushback and and it's been in the culture right for ever since you know really the 60s ever since we we flipped everything to modernism but um there really is this genuine pushback that that lifestyles that once upon a time are and still are uh you know horrors to to the christian mind lifestyles that do not lead us to heaven but lead us to hell these not only need to be okayed but they need to be celebrated and you know there's been an entire culture war we talk about with the united states here um this isn't unfortunately very surprising that this is a catholic school to me because there have been plenty of catholic schools especially um in this hemisphere uh that that have completely abandoned their faith and so you know, it, it's been this this feature creep that little by little, um, Catholic schools have interacted more with the world than they have, I think, with a lot of, of their, their their Catholic fundamentals. And so Catholic schools have been looked at as just an alternative private school, mm. right? And so they've secularized themselves and they want to make sure that their kids have as intellectual of a standing. And so before you know it, we wrap up all this sin and blasphemy even in this guise of discrimination, in this guise of, of awakening, in, in so many kind of different elements here. And I think these people really, at the end of the day, the, the biggest thing I see is that it's a slippery slope that's proven true. Um, the last bastion is children. And, you know, it started out really innocuous, right? It started out saying, well, you know what? We just want to kind of have our own little corner and call it a day. And now I think it has ended in, in the endorsement, the very soft kind of endorsement of, of, um, of changing children's mind about, about sexual ethics and sexual morals. And, you know, in America here, there was a, there was a professor who had to withdraw an article, but he was, he was destigmatizing pedophilia. Mm. And anyone who loves children knows that, no, you don't, I'm not willing to explore this. This is a hack ag add to pieces kind of thing. And <laughs> we find another kind of line where we need to, again, put our, put our feet in the sand and say, nope, you won't cross here. Yeah. I think of myself as a father, you know, and, and, 
Ashley and I have have decided that we want to try and homeschool our our daughter, and I, I think that a lot yes, of, of people are are moving in that direction because, well, there's a lot of things that make us think that it's difficult to do this, and and re- the reality is it's true. It's difficult to do homeschooling. You know, not everybody has the luxury of of staying at home or devoting the amount of time that you can to this. But I see more and more, and I think a lot of other people are seeing the same thing. You know, after COVID, all of the things that were taking place inside of the school system. Now that you're 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 at home and you can actually see what the the teacher is saying, what the teacher is teaching your children, I think a lot of people realize that wow, they really didn't have a lot of control over what what their children were being taught. And you know, I think about my young daughter Maria. She's only eight seven months old now, and and soon, you know, it seems like every day she's she's like growing a hundred days, you know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm, yeah. it just seems like time is going so fast. But I think about her, her education. I think about her soul, the purity of her soul, you know, uh, arch, he's not an archbishop, uh, Bishop, uh, Bishop Schneider from Kazakhstan in his book, Christus Vincit, he talks about how, you know, in, in, in persecution when he was, he was in Soviet, in the Soviet union, you know, Children were baptized, and they would genuflect to the children because the children were so pure. It was like the purest thing that they had seen. You know, they they didn't have their churches anymore, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And and I look at Maria, my daughter, and I say, "Wow, this is a pure creation of God, a, a a true image and likeness of God. There is something pure about her, and it must be preserved because that is what's going to get her into heaven." And I wonder, because the article ends with uh, the church's precepts on sexual morality and marriage and relationships are well-known and unchangeable. It seems, that the str- it seems strange that the authorities at John Fisher's school believe that these precepts somehow did not apply to the message taught by this particular school. The school has offered no explanation for its action in inviting Green. I just wonder, why invite a person like this anyway that is going to tarnish that purity of soul? The purity of soul of a young child that has the rest of their life to look forward to and salvation to achieve. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed what happens when you try to keep up with the current fashions? You go nuts. When we are obsessed with keeping up with the times, we become slaves. Fashions are never settled. To chase something that is always changing is simply futile. It's not freedom, it's insanity. G.K. Chesterton says, The Catholic Church is the only thing that saves a man from the degrading slavery of being a child of his age. Christianity is always out of fashion because it's always sane, and fashions are always insane. The Catholic Church never has to worry about being behind the times, because it is beyond the times. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for the world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu.
Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired, and now more headlines. Epic Times reports China locks down 51 million amid COVID surge, igniting public outcry. Over the past week, scenes of exasperation have emerged in various parts of China as officials battled against the stealth Omicron variant that has fueled the country's purported worst outbreak since the pandemic began two years ago. In some rental apartments, tenants were shocked to learn that they had to pack up within hours because their home would be converted into quarantine facilities. Shenzhen, Dongguan, and Jilin province have all been put on lockdown. And Reuters reports UN chief prospect of nuclear conflict back with realm of possibility over Ukraine. The prospect of nuclear conflict, once unthinkable, is now back on the realm of possibility, said United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres. Russia and the United States have by far the biggest arsenals of nuclear warheads after the Cold War that divided the world as much for as much as the 20th century, pitting the West against the Soviet Union and its allies. But U.S. officials said they have no reason so far to change Washington's nuclear alert levels. And LifeSite reports Sister Deidre Byrne granted religious exemption to COVID shot by D.C. court. Sister Deidre Byrne, a surgeon and family doctor, was granted a religious accommodation Friday Friday for her moral opposition to COVID jabs by the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia. Thomas More Society attorneys filed a suit in March against D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser and the director of its Department of Health, LaQuandra Nesbitt, as on behalf of Byrne and their joint refusal to grant her a religious exemption from mandatory vaccination for D.C. health workers. And the Epic Times reports snack and drink portions being reduced due to rising inflation. Food prices have been on the rise across the United States, forcing many food and beverage products as part of a concept called shrinkflation. Many consumers may not realize they are paying more for some of their regular purchases since companies reduce content sizes while keeping prices the same. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Joining us right now via Zoom chat is Father Jeffrey Kirby, STD. He is the pastor of Our Lady of Grace in Indian Land, South Carolina, a moral theologian, a papal missionary of mercy, and an adjunct professor of theology at Belmont Abbey College. He also has a brand new book out, Glory Unto Glory from Angelical Press, and he joins us now. Good morning to you, Father Kirby. Good morning, Joe. Good to be on the show. Praise be to God. We're very grateful to you. Uh, you know, my head already started hurting the instant I tried to read your book. It's a, it's an incredible book, but at the same time, I think it's a very necessary one. And uh, one of the first comments I want to make is, you know, Father, I think too many Catholics, us uh, lay Catholics, are, we can be lazy when it comes to diving deep. We like surface stuff, right? Uh, peanut butter and jelly, a good steak. But we don't want the <laughs> deep richness that the Church has to offer. And I feel like your book is serving that. Would you say that's the case? I do. I, I definitely see that. In fact, I oftentimes will, will challenge in, in my preaching and teaching, you know, to to kind of take that next step to realize that discipleship is is about making a journey, about following the Lord Jesus. There's no plateau. There's no status quo. Uh, there's no room for lazy. And, and you know, in spiritual life, laziness is called lukewarmness, and, and the Lord vehemently denounces that. As disciples, we should be passionately in love with Jesus Christ, constantly seeking how we can serve him more, love him more, go deeper. So I think that when the average Catholic refuses to go deeper, they deprive themselves of the dynamism and the joy and and some of the spiritual enthusiasm that comes with really following the way of the Lord Jesus. Amen. So let me ask the big question then. What is aesthetical theology? I mean, I wish I could take a poll from the audience. Raise your hand. How many people know what aesthetical uh, theology is? Uh, would you answer that, Father, please? 
Yeah. So, so in popular jargon now, uh, we've, we've kind of dumbed some things down and, and, and there are some good reasons perhaps for that, but ascetical theology is what we now call spiritual theology. And when I was coming up with the book, I thought, you know, when we change words, we, we lose some depth. Sometimes we lose parts of a meaning. And so I purposely chose to go to the traditional term, ascetical theology with the book, just mm -hmm. to retrieve that term and, and to kind of raise this, that spiritual theology isn't about my experience of Jesus or how I feel about Jesus. Ascetical theology is about what God has revealed. So those revelations, what we understand about God because of these revelations, and that what we are called to give, what St. Paul calls the obedience of faith to those revelations. So well, yes, it of course involves our heart. Yes, like we should give our whole selves. There should be this, this type of disclosure of, of, of who we are. There is an objectivity to ascetical theology. So whether you like this particular part of the spiritual life or not, um, it's there. Right? This is what it means to be a Christian. This is part of what it means to be a disciple. You know, Father, I was uh, when I was discerning to join the Dominican Friars, I actually started reading uh, The Spiritual Life of Mystical and Ascetical Theology, uh, which I noticed was in your bibliography. And I was uh, blown away by when I started reading this because I realized that seminaries in general are not teaching mystical and ascetical theology. And as uh, Joe is saying, most people have never even heard the term before. Why do you think that it kind of went out of, I don't know if it's the right way to say this, but out of fashion? Uh, what say you, Father? Yes, I, I would say this. First of all, um, uh, busted. Um, my, my book <laughs> really is is a, a layman's version of Father Tanqueray's The Spiritual Life, the, the classic you just cited. So that was a heavy book I used uh, for, for my book. And, and to think, to, to your point, that that was once the standard textbook of seminarians in order to be trained in, in the priestly ministry. So uh, to, to your question, why is it fallen by the wayside? I think really we've psychologized a lot. I think that we have allowed a certain um, experience factor to replace you know, the objective revelations given to us by God. So in general, I think a relativism or subjectivism that has really taken over, uh, even in theology and certainly in, in, in ascetical theology. And, and I think there's a, a good place for personal experience, of course. I think there's a place for good psychology. But when we replace ascetical theology, which is an independent discipline, a different science field of study, when we, when we allow these other areas to take it over, we lose more than we gain. Father, what do you think is the biggest benefit to a layperson to understand ascetical theology? I think the greatest benefit is that they get to understand in a deeper way what it means to be baptized in Jesus Christ. So right now we're in Lent, and Lent is the opportunity for us to experience in our own lives the reliving of the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Paschal mystery, right? That is a term every Christian should know, and very few do, right? So I think that this book can help someone, and, and, and diving into ascetical theology can help someone to really understand what it means to have died in Jesus mm. Christ, yeah. that they might live solely for him. Yeah, Father, I was reading your book, and, and reading it, I realized something that I was like, oh, this is this is so simple, yet this is forgotten completely. And that was the fact that we always talk about and people always tell people, we got to spread the good news. It's very important that we spread the good news. Mm -hmm. We got to preach the gospel to all nations. And yes, it's all true. But we forget that the reason why there's good news is because there was bad news. Uh, so Father, could you yes. talk about what the bad news was? Yeah. So uh, the first chapter of, of uh, my book, Glory Into Glory, talks about life before the fall. 
and, and I'll tell you, this is another area of theology that's almost completely neglected. Mm. Just a simple fact that the world we live in is fallen. This is not the world that God wanted for us. And so just talking about the original gifts of sanctifying grace, or the preternatural gifts that were given to our human nature before the fall, all that can help us to then understand what was lost in the fall. So the second chapter talks about the fall. Imagine this beautiful temple, this ornate, beautiful place of, of worship. And someone walks in with a hand grenade and the grenade goes off and the wall sustained a blast, but everything is thrown into chaos. Everything is in disarray. That's what sin did to our human nature, did to creation. And so everything's fallen. And the world we live now in is, is a fallen world. I think by understanding the world God wanted for us, we can, in a different perspective, understand the real depravity of sin and what we have lost with sin, both original sin and then, of course, our actual sins that we commit in our own discipleship. Father Jeffrey Kirby is our guest. He has a book out called Glory Unto Glory, which we're discussing here uh, from Angelico Press. And uh, by the way, um, before I forget, you can find that linked up at angelicopress.org. I liked what you said in the, I think it was in the intro, if I'm not mistaken, relating a time when you were at the NAC in Rome as a seminarian and this, uh, you didn't name the name. You didn't drop names, Father. You just, some, some famous theologian shows up and you have the chance to sit at the table to eat and ask questions, and it became this very awkward moment. And in what you were just saying reminded me of what you wrote in your intro, because I feel like too often we are eager to embrace this new, fallen, broken world. Why are we so eager to do that? Yes, yes. So I, I think, uh, you know, the, to the first point with that story is just the, the, the shock, really, of being able to sit at the feet of this a skilled theologian and, and really seeking wisdom only to find disobedience and indifference to the church's teachings was, was a real shock. In general, I think there's a desire to you know, grab onto and, and, and to live completely in this fallen world because that's precisely a consequence of the fall. <laughs> if we never understand our dignity and we only know our sin, then that's what we know. And, and, and tragically, that's what we become comfortable with. So the idea that, no, we once had an original inheritance, we have a dignity as the children of God, by the grace of God in Jesus Christ, we can retrieve that and, and even be made into the likeness of God in Jesus Christ. That's shocking because now the pressure's on. Mm. Suddenly there are expectations, there are demands, there are challenges. But if we embrace the fallenness, we can be lazy. We can just worry about our own experience. We can think that small steps are somehow a huge marathons. And, and so I think this embracing of the fallen world by believers is a shock, especially in a secular age. But I think by theologians and by church leadership is, is a scandal. I hold that thought. Father Jeffrey Kirby is our guest. His book is Glory Unto Glory from Angelical Press. We're going to have more of this coming up right after this very quick break. You can find uh, the book linked up over at angelicopress.org. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Many Christians are familiar with the story where the Pharisees bring a woman caught in adultery to Jesus and try to test him for charges against the law of Moses. Jesus had been showing all sorts of mercy that was unusual to them, eating with sinners and tax collectors, driving demons out of Gentiles, and even curing people on the Sabbath. They thought they could trap him, but Jesus bent down and began to write on the ground. We can assume he was writing out their sins. He then said, Let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And in response, they went away one by one. Jesus then said, Has no one condemned you? Then neither do I condemn you. 
But Jesus continues, go and sin no more. It's fine for us to meet people where they are at with mercy, but we can't just leave them there. We must help them come to a place free of sin in their lives. This is Matt Maloney from KnowTheFaith.net. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Father Jeffrey Kirby, STD, is our guest. He has a book called Glory Unto Glory, a primer on ascetical theology, published by Angelico Press at angelicopress.org. Welcome back to the show, Father. Thank you for being on with us. Um, You know, uh, in your first chapter, you really laid out kind of the design that God had for us. And it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing to see. Um, If you look past the surface, you see so much beauty in God's creation and in His design and what He hoped and wished for us and desired for us, but how we messed it all up. So let's fast forward a little bit, and let's talk about the broken part of it, and really how do we start to begin to make our way back? Is it possible, this side of the heavenly veil? Yes. Yeah, so after the fall, of course, we, we see we lost those original gifts. We, we see that now there's a, a war between our reason and our passions. Uh, there's discord uh, between ourselves and other human beings. Uh, the created order uh, now uh, w- wages itself a, a type of rebellion against us and in terms of our interaction with creation. And the list goes on. So we have this fallen world now that we have created. We've manipulated the world that God wanted to give us. This is now the fallen world we live in. And, and really left to ourselves, if, if that was it, um, then our desolation would have quickly fallen into despair. But at the very beginning, as God allowed these disciplines to befall us as, as a good father, he gave us the first promise of a savior, what our tradition calls the proto-evangelium, the first gospel, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And there's four parts of this promise. He says, uh, God tells us that there's a woman who will come, her offspring will uh, crush the head of the serpent, but the serpent will strike at his heel. Now, what does that tell us? It means that when our, our Savior comes, he will be victorious, but he will be a wounded victor. It also indicates to us that the path to salvation will come through suffering. So we have these consequences of our fall. These consequences are, are, are going to continue through time. But now in Jesus Christ, we have the opportunity by the workings of his grace to allow the sufferings of this world to bring forth our salvation and the salvation of others. So we unite ourselves to the work of Christ, who in his, his sacrifice is infinitely uh, satisfactory to the Father. We know that this is now something we can participate in, and by the working out of our salvation, by the grace of God, we can allow suffering to bring forth this good of redemption. Now, let me, let me just point out one question that oftentimes people ask me. Well, wait a minute. If, if Jesus redeemed us from sin and he restored sanctifying grace— why do we get those preternatural gifts back, right? Those original gifts. Amen. Good question. And actually the Lord, exactly. The Lord did one better for us, actually, because first he allows us to suffer with him. So mm-hmm. we show by our actions, our desire to love him. But instead of giving us the three preternatural gifts back, he gives us something higher in the spiritual order. Mm-hmm. He gives us the theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. Ah. The three virtues parallel and raise up 
the original preternatural gifts. So the first preternatural gift, infused knowledge. But now we have faith, which means we can know the most important thing, which is the knowledge of God. Preternatural gift was that we never suffer death. We would never get sick. Our bodies shared in the immortality of our soul. What do we have now? Hope. Hope for eternal life in Jesus Christ. And of course, the preternatural gift, there was harmony between reason and our passions. Now what do we have? Love. And it's love that compels our reason to order our passions. So we have the means necessary in order to live in a fallen world and unite ourselves with Jesus Christ in the path of suffering, which is the path of salvation. I personally would love infused knowledge. That sounds pretty cool to me. <laughs> I mean, it didn't and the Matrix they had to infuse knowledge. Uh, I want to infuse knowledge. That'd be fantastic. Will, <laughs> will we? We will, of course, uh, be able to enjoy these gifts in the beatific vision. Actually, uh, those and infinitely fulfilled. So all that. Uh, is promised in this life, uh, we find ultimate fulfillment in Jesus Christ and in, in, in eternal beatitude. So in many respects, yes, but they'll be fulfilled. And, and what we will be actually experiencing and, and sharing is infinitely superior to them. Now, Father, you know, we're in Lent, and, you know, I, I'd like to just kind of jump back to something you said about suffering and joining our suffering with, with our blessed Lord Jesus. Um, there's a lot of suffering that we go through, whether it's minimal, like getting cut off on the freeway or things that we suffer in families, et cetera, et cetera. How does one unite that suffering effectively to our blessed Lord Jesus Christ on the cross? Yeah, so you can imagine that, you know, the Lord offered this one sacrifice that brings forth salvation to, to every man and every woman uh, that's willing to respond to it, uh, to that invitation. And as baptized Christians, we become members of his body, right? So we are united in Christ. And I think that's, again, worth emphasizing in terms of the power of baptism. Like we're not a member like, oh, we have a, a card membership and we're a part of this club or something, but a real member, like a, an arm or a leg. So you imagine like an accident, someone is dismembered if they lose an arm or something, right? That's really what we mean when we speak of being a, a member, a part of the body of Christ. So because we're parts of his body, we actually share in his work, which means we have this union with him. So when hardship befalls us, small things are just annoying or more serious things. We're united with him by our baptism, and we can offer this with him. Now, his sacrifice is infinitely superior. His sacrifice is infinitely satisfactory to the Father, but he allows us to make up what is lacking in us or in the church to unite our sufferings with his. St. Paul speaks about this in his letters to the Colossians. So we unite our sufferings with his in this spiritual union. But get this, what I love being Catholic, when we follow the fullness of the Christian faith, is we go to Mass, and as the altar is prepared, the priest will turn and say, pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be found acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. And what do we pray? May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. There it is. All the sacrifices of the past week there at the altar of God in the representation of the sacrifice of the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are placing our sacrifice, our oblation on the altar there, united with Christ. So we do it spiritually, but then on the Lord's day, we do it sacramentally. We place that on the altar and we pray, let this be acceptable. I, I know there should be more. I know I should have gone deeper. I know there could be a better sacrifice, but accept what I, I have given. I, I've given you what I have. And let this bring my salvation, and may this bring forth the salvation of all the church. So again, we see this redemptive suffering. We unite with Christ, we ask for the grace of salvation, and as an act of charity and concern, we ask for the salvation of those around us. You know, Father, I was just thinking, uh, man, I have, I have so many questions for you, but we, unfortunately we have about 
five minutes left in our conversation, uh, but I just want to skip ahead towards the end of your book. You talk about the purgative way, and I find this very fascinating. You don't go into the illuminative way and the unitive way, but could you speak about why you decided to only focus on the purgative way and the the phases of the purgative way? And, and also, I mean, what is a purgative way? Most people have never heard that term. Yes, yes. So uh, what you're describing are, are what are called the three ways of the spiritual life. And and the first is the purgative way. And and I focused just on the purgative way in the book because all the spiritual masters are, are unanimous in that the vast majority of the baptized spend their entire lives in the uh, purgative way. So uh, I referenced the illuminative way just in passing. Um, and I don't address the unitive way um, at all. It's because the book is more of an introductory book. Um, you know, I, I didn't want to, to go beyond the original scope, but also just the realizations, as we've described, you know, Catholics tend to be lazy. The average disciple really isn't very motivated to follow the way of the Lord. There's a lot that we have to overcome, a lot that we have to do. And so I wanted to make sure that keeping the introductory nature of the book in mind, that we just talked about the purgative way that, you know, when we draw close to the Lord, he grants consolations. This is great. And then he removes those consolations. You haven't done anything wrong. God's not angry. It's actually the beginning of the real first step in the spiritual life where God purges us of our self-love because all the consolation, all the encouragement, you know, those warm feelings, they're all taken away. Mm-hmm. And instead, in the darkness of the purgative way, the Lord blesses us with the grace of obedience. I love you, Lord, no matter what I get or do not get. I love you. And that begins that purge, that purification of self-love. That's a very important step in the spiritual life. If we want to grow in the spiritual life, we have to be willing to accept the purgative way. So uh, it could be debated that I should have maybe given more attention to the illuminative way or maybe reference the unitive way. But just realizing where we are and the original nature of the book, I thought, let me just give a strong, robust teaching on the purgative way. We're down to just a couple of minutes now with Father uh, Jeffrey Kirby. Let me ask you, who is this book intended for? Is it intended for seminarians or or, uh, you know, Catholics that de- dive deep, or who do you want to read this book? Yeah, so this book can be any, to, for any Catholic that, that's seriously interested in the ascetical life, the spiritual life, but it's particularly targeted to those Catholics who are starting to want to take their discipleship seriously and to begin to look around and saying, why is there all this cotton candy? Like, why can't I just get solid teaching? I, I really want to grow in the Lord Jesus. I, I want to understand Christian discipleship. So that that disciple who's taken those first couple of steps and begin to really look for strong resources in spiritual ascetical theology, in basic doctrine in terms of the spiritual life. So that in particular is, is the focus. But again, the book can be helpful to anyone who is just interested in drawing closer to God, but in my mind, I'm targeting those Catholics who mm. have taken those first few steps and are, are really wanting a resource of help. Real quick, tell me about the structure of your book. Yep, so the book follows the, the basic format of ascetical theology, our first inheritance, the fall, redemption of Jesus Christ, divine grace, and then the purgative way. So five chapters, the initial first truths, five truths of the spiritual life of the ascetical uh, life. Now, I see Angelical Press, angelicalpress.org, does have your book here, who is your publisher, praise be to God, but you can also get it elsewhere. That's correct. I would encourage you, uh, please, uh, to all your viewers, uh, support your local uh, local Catholic bookstores, uh, and it's, of course, also available on Amazon. Uh, any idea if this is going to be available in like a uh, uh, an EPUB version, sort of like a Kindle thing, or...? 
Yes, I think Angelical Press tries to do all their books on ebook. I think that's probably uh, forthcoming. And, and I would encourage, like, if there's a group of of disciples who are really starting to grow in their their discipleship and they're they're wanting that you know that fellowship uh, that holy fellowship with other believers who are really trying to to really live the faith, mm-hmm. uh, maybe grab a copy of this book and I think it'd be great for uh, study groups or prayer meetings, uh, real opportunity to to kind of dive into the depths. I mean, there's so much there yeah. in our tradition that just get ignored. Yeah, for sure. So make true. make ascetical theology great again. You, you, you could have chosen that as a subtitle. <laughs> I'm teasing. Glory unto glory, a primer on ascetical theology. Father Jeffrey Kirby, thank you for your time today. We're very grateful to you. My pleasure. God bless you. Praise be to God. You can find this book linked up on their website at angelicopress.org. But as Father said, you know, skip past Amazon and Barnes and Nobles. Go to your local Catholic bookstore and ask them. Maybe they'll have it or they could order it. That'd be awesome. Praise be to God. All right, that's going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Praise be to Jesus. I want to thank Rudy for uh, you know hosting the show while we were away this week on retreat, making the new guy work. I'm loving that. It's like the Marine Corps way here. Praise be to God. But if you can and you're able to join us in the second hour, we would love to have you. You can always watch our live video stream or audio stream on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Hey, Donnie. Who were the first two people God created? Adam and Eve. There you go. And what did we inherit from them? Original sin. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Peace has long been a Benedictine motto. One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. In the rule of St. Benedict, the saint challenges those who live in monastic community to truly seek God and find peace. We all strive for peace, the profound sense of confidence and tranquility which flows from resting in God's love and trusting in God's providential care. In our daily lives, we can create peace by simplifying life and removing sources of strife, such as the pursuit of power or possessions. Finally, perfect peace goes hand in hand with perfect charity. When you have peace, you will have charity. For your free copy of The Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com. O-N-E MinuteMonk.com In short, Rest in God's love, trust in God's care, and love others as God loves them. Then you will find true peace. 
Your Odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in their pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. This is your host, Joe McLean. Just kidding. This is Rudy. <laughs> Joe and Adrian are out on, uh, on retreat and... Uh, I'm filling in for them. This is Rudy Carlos. I'm the news guy here on Catholic Drive Time, and I hope you enjoyed the last hour that we had where we interviewed Father Kirby. What an amazing interview. He talks about how to suffer, how to offer your suffering and unite it to the the cross of our blessed Lord Jesus. We need that so much, right? I mean, we suffer every single day. Think about how often that suffering is wasted. But uh, it was an interesting interview. If you'd like to check it out again, we are going to upload it again into our YouTube panel uh, channel. And uh, I just want to say I apologize. I, I meant to give you the video aspect of it, but if I didn't hit the button at the right time, it was going to be out of sync. So I opted just to give you a <laughs> splash screen. So I apologize for that. But I'm joined in the studio today by two legends, as I mentioned in the first hour, Jesus Robles. Oh, man. Thank you. Hey, man, this is awesome. Now, on that retreat that Joe and Adrian are at, I don't know who's being, who who has a retreat from who? Is it Joe from Adrian or Adrian from Joe? Or are you having the retreat <laughs> from them? Because uh, It could be, right? It, it, it's, it's a little wild sometimes, but we got uh, Adrian Fonseca in the studio here <laughs> on the ones and twos. On the ones and twos. By the way, if you don't know what that is, the ones and twos are like the number one disc jockey bay and then the number uh-huh. two disc jockey bay. You know, the turntables. Yep. And we're also joined here, <laughs> speaking of DJs, we're joined by Jordan Pacheco from the Glad Trad podcast, My Brother. Well, speaking of cringe, I'm happy that I just learned about ones and twos. So thank you, boys. <laughs> and it's good to be back in the second hour. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, you guys have anything planned for this week? Uh, Jordan, I'm surprised that you're able to join us here. Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, it's only by grace of God and this uh, rock star that's sitting next to me, the energy <laughs> drink. So uh, this weekend, we're going to a friend's wedding. Uh, him and his fiance are finally tying the knot. Uh, nice. And the reception is going to be at my uh, the parish that Jen and I go to. So that's going to be kind of a fun little thing across Denver. Oh, praise God. Hey, Seuss. You were yeah. supposed to be on vacation. Yes, you? I'm supposed to be. Uh, I'm, right now, I'm on the bad list with my wife. We uh, kind of postponed it for a couple of days, you know, to be here in the in Catholic drive time. The CDT, I can't stay away from the CDT. So, wow, you know, here here I am. Uh, but but uh, we'll take off on Thursday. We're gonna go to Vallehermoso, Tamaulipas. Oh wow, see, si, okay. Vallehermoso, Tamaulipas in the valley. <laughs> Do you have family there? Yeah, my mi esposa has uh, some family over there in Vallehermoso. Mm. Oh, We're going to cross the border right there, Los Indios, and uh, just have a good time. That's awesome. We're, we're, vamos a comer elotes. All corn. Right. Corn. Yes, yes. Lots of corn. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And we're going to go to Sacred Heart over there, Mass. 
beautiful church over there. It has a huge painting of Jesus in the Sacred Heart. So, Praise God. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah, churches in Mexico are so beautiful. It's a modern church, but, you know, it's, oh. a, it's okay. Well, those two. It's not as nice as those, <laughs> those old ones that I love where St. Dominic and St. Francis dominate the entrance of these old churches. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Well, praise God. We had a, a really awesome first hour. Again, I apologize. And and credit to Adrian Fonseca, the producer for the show. There are a lot of buttons to hit here. I got to tell you. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> anyway, we got a lot to cover in the second hour. We have a good news story. We have the saint and gospel of the day. And we're going to play our game show after a short break. But uh, I want to thank again our, our CDT Lenten campaign participants. Today we have Colin McManaman, I apologize, Colin, and Kathy Bergolt for generously offering to fast and pray for the most ardent blasphemers and heretics, the ones who really need our prayers for their conversion. Our Lady of Fatima, as I mentioned, she says many souls go to hell. She showed that vision to the Fatima children. And it was a terrifying thing to see so many people revolving in the flames. So we're going to pray now. We're going to offer this, this prayer for the conversion of blasphemers and heretics, the most hardened hearts in our families, in our friend groups, those people who are away from the church. Now we begin in the name of the Father and the Son and, and the Holy Spirit. Ghost. Amen. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most incomprehensible and unutterable name of God be always praised, blessed, loved, adored, and glorified in heaven, on earth, and under the earth by all the creatures of God and by the sacred heart of our Lord Jesus Christ in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen. Amen. And now we have, whoops, apologize. We have a good news story here. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And here's a story of a lovely couple. This is coming out from the Epic Times. Georgia couple who both served in World War II celebrate 100th birthday and 73rd anniversary this year. A longevous, a longevous couple from Johnson County, Georgia, has spent the last 72 years happily married together. More remarkably, the pair Josephine and Wilbur Flip John Jackson this year celebrated their no, another notable milestone. They both turned 100 years old. They celebrated his he celebrated his big day, rather, in early February, while she had hers six months earlier. The pair first met on a blind date and then got married in 1949. The centenarians, who both live in their family farm, have had a whole host of experiences over their lifetimes, both in life, both in life and love. They both served in the military during World War II. In Key West, Josephine was a Coast Guard for nearly four years. Four years later, Wilbur served in the Army overseas and escorted fallen soldiers back home. Upon returning stateside, she went on to work in an insurance company while he became a movie projectionist. Wilbur was also a handyman and, a pistol, and on a pistol team. The couple are passionate about serving their community and their church. In the evenings, he often ferried local kids to a skating rink, a pastime he enjoyed much as they did. Although their love has endured the test of time, Josephine knows that it has its ups and downs and it isn't always smooth sailings. They've had their disagreements, she admits. Oh yeah, you know we have, she said to the Epic Times. You know it is. You don't always agree on everything. Not taking things too seriously is one way to get along in love. Nor did the fights last long, she added. These experiences coupled with long lives have furnished them the wisdom and insights to go around their secret to leading a happy and 
A, a good life and a happy, lasting marriage, they told the newspaper, is simple. But Wilbur, hard work and being a Christian are the most important things, while Josephine opinioned, I don't know, just keep on keeping on. And that's really good news. God love you. And the saint of the day for this morning, she is Louis de Marillac. She was born in France in August 12th of 1591. She was educated by the Dominican nuns, which speaks of her greatness, the Dominicans. She desired to become a nun, but on the advice of her confessor, she married Anthony Legrasse. After Anthony's death in 1625, she met St. Vince de Paul, who became her spiritual advisor. She devoted the rest of her life to working with him. She helped direct his ladies of charity in the work of caring for the sick, the poor, and the neglected. In 1633, she set up a training center right in her own home for candidates that were seeking to participate in her work. This was the beginning of the Sisters of Charity of St. Paul, though it was not formally approved until 1655. Then she took her vows in 1634 and attracted a great number of candidates. She wrote the rule for the community in 1642. Vincent allowed four of the members to take vows. Formal approval placed the community under Vincent and his congregation of the missions with Louis as superior. She traveled all over France, establishing her sisters in hospitals, in orphanages, and in institutions. By the time of her death in Paris on March 15, the congregation had more than 40 houses in France since they have spread all over the world since that time. She was canonized by Pope Pius XI in 1934 and was declared patroness of social workers by Pope John the 23rd in 1960. If you know somebody that's a social worker, this is a good day to call them and say hi. Louis de Marillac, pray for us. Now the gospel for this morning in Matthew 23, 1-12. Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples saying, the scribes and the Pharisees have taken their seats on the chair of Moses. Therefore, do and observe all things whatsoever they tell you. But do not follow their example. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to carry, and lay them on people's shoulders. But they will not lift a finger to move them. All their works are performed to be seen. They wide, they widen their phylacterous and lengthen their tassels they love places of honor at banquets seats of honor in synagogues greeting in marketplaces and salutations rabbi as for you do not be called rabbi you have but one teacher and you are all brothers call no one on earth your father you have but one father in heaven do not be called master you have but one master, the Christ. The greatest amongst you must be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Today, Jesus condemns the religious people who don't practice what they preach, who look one way, but they're actually looking the other way. Now, 
the, the, the thought of the of hypocrites, of course, the word is not mentioned on this specific gospel, but it's mentioned before. It condemns hypocrites. This word that means a play actor acting a role, an external expression, the role of an actor, but internally it's really not living what he or she is playing. Someone that is not really sold into what they preach. Let's not be that. Jesus teaches us to be real, to be forgivers. He teaches us to love and forgive. He forgave prostitutes. He forgave sinners. He forgave drunks and tax collectors, traitors to their own people. Jesus calls out and condemns fake people, religious people that say they're in, but they're actually not in. St. Paul said it very well. They practice the form of godliness, but deny its power. They end up worshiping religion as God, but don't see religion as a gift from God that challenges them to live holy and to have a relationship with God. They practice the law, but seem not to understand that the heart of the law is mercy. It becomes a practice without fire. Scribes and Pharisees have been alive well for many, many years in this world. We have Catholics, we have Evangelicals, we have Christians, Jewish, Muslims, Hindus, scribes and Pharisees. This is a religious phenomenon, of course, that goes on everywhere. And wherever it raises its ugly head, it causes inconsistency and lack of authenticity. And of course, it's very, very destructive for those that are coming into the faith. Now, I love how John Michael Talbot would say it. He put it this way. This type of religious uh, religion does not help people. It hurts people. This type of religion weighs on people. It binds them down. It makes them hate themselves and it makes them judge mental towards others real religion liberates you it frees us it empowers you to become more loving it conforms you more to jesus christ more kind our truth is always measured with love we know that truth and the truth will set you free now as a police officer when we are asking for a, a suspect to do a confession you know i i have to be honest with him and say hey you got to tell me the truth no matter how bad the truth is. At the end of the day, when you liberate yourself from those chains of the crime that you have committed, tell me that truth and it will set you free. There will be a penance. There will be a payment that you have to do. But at the end of the day, things will clear out. We therefore, we bring you freedom. We bring freedom to others, not just judgment. Let's not be hypocrites. Let's practice what we preach. Like the saint of the day, she was living an authentic faith. Even though she aspired to be a religious and she was guided to get married, the Lord always has a way to bring people back to the journey if that's what he's calling them for. The question is, are you living his will? His will will always be perfect. Let yourself be conformed like Louis de Marillac that she went into, she took the, 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 the words of, her, uh, of the person that was helping her out through her faith. But again, the Lord called her back to what her mission was. Isn't that amazing? Now stick around with us today. Our victim for the game show Fear and Trembling is going to be our friend Jordan Pacheco. Yes, that's what he gets for participating with us. We're going to put him on the hot seat and we're going to ask him the questions of this game Fear and Trembling. The awesome CDT game show. Stick around with us. It's going to be a lot of fun here.
Are there any basic rules for doing apologetics? 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense. Always be prepared, Scripture tells us. How can we always be prepared to make a defense of our faith? Rule number one, pray. Pray to the Holy Spirit that He give you the courage to share your faith and the wisdom to choose your words carefully and profitably. Rule number two, you don't have to know everything right now. Learn a little bit more about your faith each and every day. Read scripture, read the catechism, listen to apologetics tapes, listen to Catholic radio, learn a little bit at a time. Rule number three, Luke 5 verse 10, do not be afraid, henceforth you will be catching men. Jesus said this to Peter, but he's also saying it to us. Will you make mistakes and get into tight spots when you start sharing your faith with others? Yes, of course you will. But Peter made mistakes and he got into tight spots. Yet Jesus told Peter not to be afraid. Why? Because if we are sincere in our desire to share the truth with others, to share Jesus Christ with others, then Jesus will find a way to make good come from even our mistakes. Rule number four, always view a question about your faith or even an attack on your faith as an opportunity, an opportunity to share the truth. Rule number five, don't get frustrated. Catholics often get frustrated by what I call the doctrinal dance. You get asked about purgatory, Mary, the Pope, the sacraments, all in rapid fire succession. Before you can answer one question, you're asked another, then another. Just keep bringing the discussion back to one topic until you've said all you want to say, then move on. Rule number six, never be afraid to say, I don't know when asked a question about your faith. Don't try to wing it. However, always follow I don't know with, but I will find out and get back to you and make sure you do. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Yes, it's not Joe McClain today. He's on a retreat. He's retreating from uh, Rudy, uh, or he's retreating from uh, Adrian. The bad thing is that Adrian, he is with him. So I don't know <laughs> who is retreating from who. But uh, uh, anyways, today it's uh, myself, Rudy Carlos, here in the studio. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Great. Now, this morning, Fear and Trembling, our Catholic game show, we're, we have a victim with us on the line. We didn't tell him that he was going to be playing today the, 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 this <laughs> Uh, for the coffee cup of divine providence, we have Jordan on the line, Jordan Pacheco. Now, Jordan Pacheco, we're going to be asking him the questions, all right? Uh, we, he Again, we have not told him about this before, so, you know, he's going to be pretty much on the hot seat. We have a couple of questions. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do uh, uh, the questions, and, of course, I have an answer. It might be wrong. It might be right. Who knows? I may, I may be very tricky today. And then we also I have Rudy Carlos. He's going to be answering uh, these questions. So, uh, Jordan, are you there? Yes, I am alive so far. Jordan. <laughs> now, uh, I know you, you You know Rudy Carlos for a while, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Can he be sneaky? Do you know? Oh, uh, Rudy is the most devious person I know, <laughs> obviously. You can just tell. Look at, look, look at that beautiful beard, you know, the nice put-together suit. Uh-uh. And I'm sure he did not tell you that he was going to be putting you in the hot seat today for this fear and trembling today. So are you ready to play this game? 
I am completely ready. Let's let's uh, let's hope that now, I do okay. Now, Mr. Pacheco, where 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 are you from, Mr. Pacheco? Where are you from? So I'm I'm from Colorado originally. Okay. So and that's where I, I am currently. So uh, so thank God. <laughs> what about Mr. Pacheco? Where the Pacheco come from? Pacheco's a New Mexican. So uh, okay. my whole family is uh, North New Mexican in particular. My mom was a Pachicha. I have Trujillo, Lopez's. Ooh. You know the whole the whole list. All right, all right, all right. So are are you ready to play? Oh yeah, let's get it. All right, all right. So let's uh, let's go with the questions right here. We're gonna ask uh, as it's a uh, tradition already, and uh, something already written in the book in the canon here of Catholic <laughs> Drive Time. We're gonna go with Rudy with the first question, and uh, you know, check him out. See, see if he's gonna be a uh, uh, you know tricky today. Here we go. In what country did Our Lady of Knock appear? Listen to the that question. Would be... well, hold on a second. Rudy, Rudy's going to give you. Uh, uh, he's going to give you an answer, and I'm going to give you an answer. And you pick who's right and who's wrong. Okay. In what country did Our Lady of Knock appear? Huh. That is. Uh, that's one that's near and dear to my heart. That's where I proposed to my wife. Hmm. I'm going to say. Hmm. I'm going to hmm. say hmm. County Mayo, Ireland. Ah, County Mayo, Ireland. Huh. Nice. Okay. All right. So let's uh let's uh let me give it a shot right here with the answer. All right. The place where Our Lady of Knot appeared was in Ireland. Ireland. Who's right? Who's wrong? Let me see, Jordan. Tell me who's right. Who's wrong? Is it uh Rudy Carlo there, uh, or is it myself here in uh, Ireland? What well, do you say? Uh, <laughs> I would say uh, both are probably correct. Uh, one has a county, one both have countries. Oh, but yeah, it's definitely Ireland, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Ireland. Okay. All right. Yep. Is he got it? So that's that's correct. Yay! Woo! All right, here we go. The next question. Here we go. You ready? Oh, let's go. All right, here we go. I'm going to ask this question to myself. <laughs> <laughs> what term refers to the union of the two distinct natures of god man in the one person of jesus christ what term refers to the union of the two distinct natures of god man in the one person of jesus christ let me see hmm i think it's gonna be the bi-union because it's two right yeah two there's uh the, the man and god by union two huh hmm you know, what do you think? What do you think? That sounds sort hmm. of correct, but uh, hmm. I'm going to say hmm. it's the hypostatic union. Hypostatic union? What? Hypo, hypo who? Hypostatic. Hypostatic. So, uh, let's see, uh, Jordan, what do you say? Is it the bi-union or is it the hypostalamus union or the hypostatic <laughs> union? <laughs> well, if it was some hmm. part of the contemporary church, I think bi-union would probably make sense more because that seems lazier. I'm going to go with hypostatic union, though. That seems like a good old word that they would have fought over in a council. Uh, correct! You got it! Oh! <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm still a Catholic. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> All Barely. right, uh, Jordan, uh, Mr. Mr. Pacheco, it seems like you're, you got it handled. You got two. Okay, so now let's go to the third question. We're going to go back to Mr. Rodolfo Carlos. Okay, now here we go. Okay. Members of the Society of Jesus are called what? Members, Members of, the Society of, of the Society of Jesus. What can that be? Hmm. What you are know, they called? I read that in a book hmm. one time. Hmm. One I time. believe they called themselves... Dominicans. Dominicans. Oh, wow. That's... Adrian, is that right if you're listening? Dominicans. Hmm, Dominicans. I don't know. 
know. I don't know about that. So can let you me give me a Dominican from the Dominican Republic. <laughs> let me see. Let me give it a shot here, Jordan. Um, members of the Society of Jesus are called what? I would say with Society of Jesus, Jesus uh, Jesuits. I'm going to give it a shot. Jesuits. What say you, Jordan? Who's right? Who's wrong? Is it Jesuits or is it the Dominicans, the Society so, uh, of Jesus? What I'm just going to want to say obvious joke is obvious. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go probably with Jesuits. <laughs> Jesuits. Mm. Correct. You got it. Yeah, without Jesuit tricks, none. All right. All right. All right. So, so uh, correct. Uh, you made it three times, uh, Jordan uh, Pacheco. So congratulations. You are pretty much a uh, hardcore, solid Catholic. You know. You know your answers. Those are oh, the three you. the three questions you have to know. You're yeah. uh, Catholic. You get to keep your Catholic card, and uh, you know you can Whew. renew it again in two years. Yeah, that's right. Okay, renewal. Let's go. <laughs> now, uh, Jordan, I, I I don't get to I I didn't get to meet you before. I didn't I didn't know who you were, but I was very impressed by. Uh, by everything that you were here uh, uh, speaking with uh, Rudy Carlo, and I was just blown away. Can, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, what do you do for a living? Are you are you uh, you know chilling at home or what? how does this? Yeah, happen? no, I wish I was that cool. Uh, no, so I am currently the senior editor at the Augustine Institute. So if you look at kind of like our big stuff on places like Formed or something, uh, chances are that's starting to get my handiwork. Um, <laughs> I'm a Colorado native. I'm I'm traditionally a cinematographer and an editor. Went to film school. I met Rudy out in Los Angeles when I was working a course. And uh, when we're not in our respective fields, him Catholic Drive Time and me at the AI, we actually, of course, have our our little uh, Gladtrad podcast together, uh, where we have just all sorts of fun uh, with traditional Catholicism and Latin Mass and devotions and now fatherhood and husbandry. So you know, just a lot of real good things. Now, how do you how did you trip into into all of this uh, uh, churchy and uh, all the all these things? It's really hard to find people that that are very uh, well informed in, in everything that happens in the church. How, how where did you become in love? What inspired you? Well, I'm very fortunate to to really place a lot of my faith formation on my parents, particularly my dad. Um, I always loved history and culture and arts. And so I think that that just kind of was naturally instilled the more I started to deepen myself about the faith. And then, of course, going out to Los Angeles, um, I mean, we were, we were around by beautiful churches and, of course, great people. And um, we were really motivated after, especially the summer of shame. Um, Rudy mm. and I both had kind of started going to Latin Mass and I would really started deepening my faith. And we just felt like... Or I felt like, especially like, you know, we just had to kind of start getting the word out about the church and, and the goodness of Catholicism because this world is becoming worse, especially without the faith. That's so true. You know, I, I thought that when you said uh, being in Los Angeles, it, it may have brought you down to your knees over there in California, how <laughs> things were going over there. But of course, uh, there's there's a lot more to, to uh, California. There's a lot of missions over there. Have you yeah. been to some of the missions out there? Which one's the most impressive to you if you have been to one? Yeah, so of course, uh, the, the closest one to me was, was Mission San Fernando. And so I have a particularly near and dear place in my heart for that one because, um, we saw uh, a priest celebrate his first mass there. Um, it, a first of the fraternity. And like, of course, it was a full choir. And it was just like, like, there was just so much joy brought back to the mission. And of course, I've seen like Mission Santa Barbara. Um, there's, I mean, the mission system in California is just absolutely beautiful. And that's kind of the thing. It's like, there's a lot of, Evil, of course, that can happen in Los Angeles, but man, man, God is working in that city. The Catholicism is literally built in brick by brick in some of these places. Awesome. Isn't that, isn't that powerful? Now, you know, in Texas, we do have some missions here. Mm. We do have, uh, uh, five or six missions, at least that I can remember. Uh, there's one in, uh, actually two in Goliad. 
two beautiful missions in Goliad, and then there's there's uh, another four, five in San Antonio, and that's including the Alamo. Beautiful, beautiful missions. Oh yeah, the the Alamo. I, I, you know, one of the things that we did as soon as we drove in here, as soon as Mm -hmm. I moved in here, Jordan drove with me. And we stopped at the Alamo because every Texan has to stop at the Alamo you have to. and take a look at it. But we were talking to one of the uh, caretakers of the facilities, and she was telling us that the Alamo was never used for Mass. Mm. If they celebrated Mass, they would do it in the sacristy or in a different area because the Alamo didn't actually have a, a ceiling at the time. True, mm-hmm. true. Which is fantastic, but it's just such a cool building. And, you know, it's, it's odd to come from California and, and see that there are – that there are missions out here in in Texas because it's just something that maybe we didn't talk about that or we didn't you know they, that wasn't something that was taught to us. Yep, I, and I, I lived in San Antonio for about a year. I was a, a programming uh, station called La Ley over there, ninety five seven, and uh, I tripped on these uh, missions. I had no idea that this was you know that I was going to get married in one of those missions. Oh wow! Yes, and uh, God, it, it, I got married in San Francisco de la Espada. Uh, the most southern of those missions, a, a, a nice, beautiful, beautiful mission. It was about this, twice the size of this studio. So, again, what a magical place to be yeah. in San Antonio. For those of you that don't know San Antonio, you got to go skip around over there and see these beautiful missions. Uh, Jordan Pacheco, muchas gracias. Thank you for, for uh, participating uh, this morning and helping us out with Catholic Drive Time. Yes, Ready? thank you very much. That's going to do it for our second hour here, but stick around after this short break. We're going to come back, let our hair down, loosen up our ties a little bit. We're going to have a great time here on Catholic Drive Time. We're going to have an after show where uh, Jordan, may, Jordan may stick around and uh, loosen loosen up his tie as well. I'm going to undo a collar or a button on my collar. Thanks, thanks be to God, you know, another day in the books. And this was a big one for me today. Yes. I appreciate Joe and Adrian uh, giving me an opportunity to step up here. And tomorrow's going to be a better day. So thank you again for... Tuning into Catholic Thank Drive you for Time. joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Tuesday of the second week of Lent. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers, for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Lord, who throughout these forty days for us did fast and pray, teach us with thee to mourn our sins and close by thee to stay. As thou with Satan didst contend, and didst the victory win, O give us strength in thee to fight, in thee to conquer sin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty, Almighty God, God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have, have greatly sinned, sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what, what I have done, in what, what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my, through my most grievous, grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Guard your church, we pray, O Lord, in your unceasing mercy. And since without you mortal humanity is sure to fall, may we be kept by your constant helps from all harm and directed to all that bring salvation. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Hear the word of the Lord, princes of Sodom. Listen to the instruction of our God, people of Gomorrah. Wash yourselves clean. Put away your misdeeds from before my eyes. Cease doing evil. Learn to do good. Make justice your aim. Redress the wrong. Hear the orphan's plea. Defend the widow. Come now. Let us set things right, says the Lord. Though your sins be like scarlet, they may become white as snow. Though they be crimson red, they may become white as wool. If you are willing and obey, you shall eat the good things of the land. But if you refuse and resist, the sword shall consume you, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The word of the Lord. To the upright I will show the saving power of God. To the upright I will show the saving power of God. Not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you, for your burnt offerings are before me always. I take from your house no bullock, no goats out of your fold. To the, to the upright, upright I will show the saving power of God. Why do you recite my statutes and profess my covenant with your mouth though you hate discipline, and cast my words behind you. To the upright I will show the saving power of God. When you do these things, shall I be deaf to it? Or do you think that I am like yourself? I will correct you by drawing them up before your eyes. He that offers praise as a sacrifice glorifies me, and to him that goes the right way I will show the salvation of God. To the upright I will show the saving power of God. 
Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Cast away from you all the crimes you have committed, says the Lord, and make for yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have taken their seat on the chair of Moses. Therefore do and observe all things whatsoever they tell you, but do not follow their example. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens hard to carry, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they will not lift a finger to move them. All their works are performed to be seen. They widen their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. They love places of honor at banquets, seats of honor in synagogues, greetings in marketplaces, and the salutation rabbi. As for you, do not be called rabbi. You have but one teacher, and you are all brothers. Call no one on earth your father. You have but one father in heaven. Do not be called master. You have but one master, the Christ. The greatest among you must be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. the end of today's gospel, we see Jesus extolling us toward the virtue of humility. Humility really is the foundational virtue of the spiritual life, which in a way gives us wings to fly and really to grow in our relationship with God and in our spiritual life. St. Thomas Aquinas defines humility as really being a part or an allied virtue of the virtue of temperance. Temperance, of course, is the virtue by which we moderate our inclinations coming from the sensory appetite. And in the virtue of humility, he says that humility is the restraint of our own desire for self-excellence and giving us a true evaluation of our littleness and misery next to God. In other words, humility helps us to live in reality. It helps us to live as truly creatures who are dependent upon God, it is grounded in the truth that without God we would have absolutely nothing. So in many ways, in following in line with that, the, the humble person is able to perceive that everything in their life is a gift which they have received from their Heavenly Father. And that, in a way, is a marvelous way to live when we recognize that everything we have in life is a gift even the mysterious things or the things that we don't understand, if we can still say, I trust that my Father is leading me towards salvation, even in the midst of trials, difficulties, suffering, it really is quite an amazing way to live. The other dimension, of course, of people who live in this order of gift or who are able to see that everything in their life is coming as a gift from their Heavenly Father, 
they're also able to live in the reality to say, freely I have received and freely I'm going to give. In other words, we're willing to be mere conduits of God's grace or of God's gifts by saying, I don't deserve anything that God has given to me and therefore I'm not going to hold my services as constantly being a part of some kind of quid pro quo where you have to pay me for everything that I do or you have to give me back, but I'm going to say I received freely from God and I'm going to give freely to others because I want to follow the one true teacher, the one true master, Jesus Christ, and this is what he revealed. Really, living in the virtue of humility means living in freedom. It means living in truth. There's an amazing amount of freedom that comes for the humble person who isn't worried about having to preserve their own ego or preserve their own excellence in front of other people, but who's able to live very freely as a child of God who again receives freely and gives away freely. On the opposite side of humility, we have uh, the proud or the prideful. And it is truly, I think, very exhausting to live as a proud person because typically uh, proud people are constantly having to preserve their own ego. And so they're very easily offended by others. Um, they tend to be constantly asking why when things don't go their way, they have a hard time trusting God because they trust in their own devices. And they're constantly having to work to maintain their own superiority over other people. And therefore, other people naturally become a sort of threat to them. And it becomes much more difficult even to relate to other people or to establish genuine friendships. In other words, when we are constantly having to feed our own ego and preserve the excellence of our own life and of our own self from a worldly perspective compared to others, it truly becomes an incredibly exhausting endeavor. And so my brothers and sisters, as we go forward today, let us ask God for the grace of this great virtue of humility, or we, whereby we are able to put aside our own desire for our own excellence, and that truly we would keep before us an honest evaluation of our own littleness and misery next to the greatness of God, that we would perceive that everything in our life has been received as a gift from our Heavenly Father, and knowing this, that we then would be willing to serve others and to freely give away that which we have received from our Heavenly Father. Amen. We should pour forth prayers at all times, dear brothers and sisters. But above all, in these days of Lent, we ought to watch more intently with Christ and direct our petitions more fervently to God. For the whole Christian people, that in this sacred time they may be more abundantly nourished by every word that comes from the mouth of God, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the whole world, that in lasting tranquility and peace our days may truly become the acceptable time of grace and salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For sinners and the neglectful, that in this time of reconciliation they may return to Christ, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For ourselves, for all those who are joining us online and through radio, 
that God may at last stir up in our hearts aversion for our sins and a desire to grow in the virtue of humility. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for those intentions that we hold in our heart. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Merciful Father, we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen. Forty days and forty nights Thou wast fasting in the wild Forty days and forty nights Tempted and yet undefiled Shall not we thy sorrow share And from worldly joys abstain Fasting with unceasing prayer Strong with thee to suffer pain then if Satan on us press, flesh or spirit to assail, victor in the wilderness, grant we may not faint nor fail. So shall we have peace divine, Holier gladness or shall be Round us too shall angels shine Such as minister to thee Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and good of all his holy church. Be pleased to work your sanctification within us by means of these mysteries, O Lord. And by it may we be cleansed of earthly faults and led to the gifts of heaven through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for you have given your children a sacred time for the renewing and purifying of their hearts that freed from disordered affections they may so deal with the things of this passing world as to hold rather to the things that eternally endure and so with all the angels and saints we praise you as without end we acclaim Sanctus Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uccelia Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, 
Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. <clears throat> the mystery of faith. Save us, Savior of the world, for by your cross and resurrection you have set us free. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to a second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim, by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we, who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son, and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory. Through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow in the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours, 
forever and ever. Amen. Preceptis salutaribis moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus indicere. Pater noster, quias in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicud in celo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum, da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra, sicud et nos dimidimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos enducas in tentacionem, se libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. On you stay, quitolis peccatamuni, miserere nobis. On you stay, quitolis peccatamuni, miserere nobis. On you stay. Quitolis peccatamundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, truly present in the Holy Eucharist, 
I place all my trust in you. Most sacred heart of Jesus, truly present in the Holy Eucharist, I place all my trust in you. Most sacred heart of Jesus, truly present in the Holy Eucharist, I place all my trust in you. Most sacred heart of Jesus, truly present in the Holy Eucharist, I place all my trust in you. Let us pray. May the refreshment of this sacred table, O Lord, we pray, bring us an increase in devoutness of life and the constant help of your work of conciliation through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Bow your heads and pray for God's blessing. Graciously hear the cries of your faithful, O Lord, and relieve the weariness of their souls, that having received your forgiveness, they may ever rejoice in your blessing through Christ our Lord. Amen. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity, Most Holy Immaculate Virgin Mary, You are the Mother of God Himself. You are the Queen of all creation. You are the Keeper of Heaven's treasure. You are our help and protection. Grant us your intercession and may your favor never fail me. Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. 
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, Saint Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Is a co-